Um, welcome to the Value Script. I'm your host, Lonnie oh. Car. What? What? You got to start over the time. Give me a clean time. Bro, I was. I can do math. Okay. <laughs> 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 I get my game face on. Welcome to the Value Script. Lonnie Carmichael is your host. This is my lovely wife Meredith is our co-host. Fearless co-host, by the way. We're back. So this morning. I found myself at 3.30 in the morning trying to make myself sleep through an anxiety attack. I was in a total cold sweat. Had, my brain was just firing 1,500,000 times a second about all different things from taxes to the podcast to us to issues to the kids to the weekend. To like Anyway, and I just had to... I had to find a way to ground myself, so I went and took a shower. You know, and I've found, interesting, the cliche enough, the cold shower thing is really the fastest way to get cold. Get cold as quickly as possible. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be through a shower. It could be cold plunge. It could be outside in cold weather. But cold seems to ground me and bring me back to my, my rational brain instead of my, my dysregulated nervous system brain. Um, Faster than anything else. Is there anything to that? Uh, well, it's not necessarily the cold of the brain. It's more the cold of the body shifts it into the fight or flight response, and you have to, and so you can't be in your emotional brain any longer. Like it, it's automatic, right? Because your brain takes over. It's survival time. It's not. It's not worry about emotional stuff time. And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons using cold plunge helps to ground yourself. And like, if you have an anxiety attack, try it. I'm, that's that's it helps me a ton. It even, it even t- like I've even heard like taking a, a bowl of ice water and putting your face in the ice water, you know, even if you can't do your whole body, but, but doing that just kind of helps to, to shock your system a little bit. That's peaceful barb. Peaceful barb. Yeah, that was absolutely. Well, you were talking about Mavi med spa sent us a DM and, um, it's not shady. Mavi is her sister, my sister-in-law and, the DM was uh, talking about she's excited for tomorrow's episode, but she called us earlier today. Do you want to tell her about, uh, well, the voice text that she sent Marissa to us? Sorry, I don't remember. I don't know. Did you, did you not hear it? No. Oh, she had a, a, a client come into the med spa who had been using meth and opiates since he was 23. And he's now 46. And he... Um, came in and said, hey, look, I want my physical appearance to begin to reflect the changes I've made internally because I am not the same person that this physical body represents any longer. I am not that person, but I look like that person. And so he came to her and she said, you know, at first it was, it was an interesting um, emotion that she felt and she wanted to help him. So sincerely, and as they talked more and more about his recovery process and the things he said, she realized that it reminded her of many of the topics we had discussed on the podcast. And so he, she's told her him about the podcast, and then he called back after he left to ask what the podcast was so he could look it up and listen. And she thanked us for being able to have a product of value that is able to be used to help and relate and send people hope. 
and help them find their way again. And I thought that was really nice. It was a really beautiful. Well, and good for him. I love that, that he, you know, he took control of all the inner stuff and now he's working on, you know, making the, his outside appearance match, you know, and, and just, I don't know. That's beautiful. I love that. Absolutely. There's, there really is nothing more exciting than to watch people progress and heal and get better. It's, beautiful that's one of I don't, our favorite things about doing this is we have so many people reach out and they're now going to counseling or you know calling their their doctor to get their hormones straight or whatever it's awesome or really our one one fan friend um, now our new friend fan that um, said hey my husband's finally talking to me now yeah. and we're able to talk about these things she was so excited she's like it's working yeah. it's working Your yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. it's really great. Yeah, it is awesome. It is incredible. And and we helped her stop drinking. Yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, you know who you are. We're proud of you. Good job. Mm-hmm. So proud of her and we her should. husband. Like, they're they're doing it. We should have her on the show. That would be That'd great. That would be great. All right. Um, we were thinking we wanted to talk a little bit more on this subject that we talked about the previous episode about burning the ships. We wanted to apply it a little differently than we did in that previous episode. Do you want to introduce our topic for the day, babe? Well, we, um, we hear all the time, like, marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. Why is marriage hard? And Lonnie and I, um, you know, when you first get married, it's not hard. You don't see any flaws. It's everything's like Wait, perfect and beautiful. You currently and, see flaws? Yeah, there's there's a few. There's just a few. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the hair? <laughs> no, I love your bald head. Oh, thank you. That's fantastic. Good, because that's your only option. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's it works out well that you like that, that because fabulous, uh, uh, you know, yeah, well, like, anyway. I guess that's my only option. It's the only one I'm going to present to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. So works. Gracias. Um. But anyway, um, so why why can marriage be hard? Uh, was, man, goodness, talking to a lot of people recently, especially they're like, hey, watch your podcast. And why is marriage so hard? My marriage is hard or this. And I keep hearing that phrase over and over and over and over. And we, I have been contemplating on that. Like, why is marriage hard? You know, why, why is it? You picked this person, right? For one reason or another, and you went through a courtship process, most likely, you know, you went through a courtship process where you were dating and, and, um, everything was hot and fiery and wonderful and amazing. And what happens? Where does that go? You know, do you, what do you think? Well, life, life gets hard and challenging and children and all sorts of things. But, um, ego Uh, has a lot to do with that and selfishness i think we get to a place where we expect our spouse to do certain things for us or to make us feel a certain way or to you know make us happy we expect our spouse to make us happy and and happiness has to come from within you can't put that expectation that's unrealistic to put that on somebody else anybody else yeah you can't yes you cannot expect to have somebody else make you happy I'm looking at this review. So why? <laughs> because talking about selfishness, I had a friend who sent me this DM regarding the podcast and it was, it was a really beautiful statement on selfishness. And so I was trying to pull that up real quick. Well, 
um, uh, my friend Jeremy, he, he sent me this uh, DM about um, religion, really, and how um, episode 11, 10, 10? I think it was 10. The cultural issues the with church churches, one? 10. And he was like, man, he's like, I'm glad you guys brought up some topics here that people aren't talking about because he, you know, he has found this in lots of places, but he said one issue that is not brought up at all for the most part or talked about enough that I believe is a big mental health issue is selfishness. Damn near everybody suffers from it, but not everyone admits it. The day that I took that out of my life, it changed for the better instantly. Right? It's like you're talking about selfishness in your marriage. And I don't, why, why does that creep in, right? Like, I don't know that we look to have it creep in. I don't know that we ever look to think, yeah, I want to definitely tank my marriage, you know, right? <laughs> and part of that's programming, your subconscious tapes, and, you know, your programming starts taking over and starts running the play. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with ego, for, or at least for me, with, with I can relate to in our marriage decline for lack of a better term uh, a lot of that started with my ego you know, and a lot of it started with like phys- my phys- <clears throat> physical um, what I thought were my physical needs and my physical presentation and me trying to fix and change that and like, like why isn't this working right and my ego why isn't this working like how come how come she's not doing what she's supposed how come she's not responding the way she's supposed to be responding so then I get a little bit more resentment right and then feeling entitled Feeling entitled, well, feeling rejected, right? But also feeling like, dang, I wish I could have this fulfillment. And like you pointed out a minute ago, happiness has to come from within you and fulfillment has to come from within you. And I think we need to focus more on, if we can, you know, find a way to focus on the gratitude of the moment, the gratitude of the relationship and the gratitude you have for this amazing person in your life and looking at the end of the day, coming home and looking for the great things they do. Right. Cause if you're focused on faults, you're going to find them all day long and that's what you're going to get. Like that's all you're going to see. That's all you're going to get. And, and what you focus on is, is everything that can becomes your world, you know, and we certainly got stuck there. Not only, not only that, but you're going to manifest the, what you focus on. Right. And, and so you're, your past that you weren't happy about, you're focusing on that. So you're going to guarantee that's your future, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have a mindset shift. And we were, you know, you were, you were wanting to talk about this uh, burn the ships concept that we introduced in our last episode. Yeah. You have an epi- if you haven't listened, we highly recommend you do. This was an epic episode. <laughs> if we do so, say <laughs> <here's>, no. <laughs> it was fun. It was good. We, we really enjoyed shooting that episode. But we introduced the concepts of burning the ships. You want to talk about that, Lo? Yeah. Well, I think when you have issues in your marriage and your relationships, hey, are you um, gonna are you gonna be able to edit out my <laughs> post COVID? <laughs> <laughs> it's an eleven minutes and twenty two seconds, uh, by the way. <laughs> all right. So when you have issues or problems in your marriage and your relationships, um, it's important to decide that together that you want to burn those ships, like and get rid of it and and move forward together. So do you want to explain and, that concept just a tiny bit more for those people that might turned up too much or what? No, I just want to check our TikTok. Oh. Uh, videos <laughs> just hit 4, views. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great success. Sorry.
Oh, that's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Sorry to interrupt. Can we keep interrupting yeah. Meredith? This is going to look yeah. terrible on the edit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, those chauvinistic jerks keep talking over that beautiful woman. She's got something profound to say. <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you wanting me to say about burning the ships? Well, burning the ships. So, like, um, the, the impetus behind why do you burn those ships and what, what ship are you burning? Oh, okay. So, yeah, like when you arrive to a certain place, you don't want to go back. And by burning the ships, that just means like, this is where we are. This is our plan. We're going to move forward. We're not going to go back to the past. We're not going to go back to, you know, the struggles that we... Well, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. We're committed to each other. We're committed to our marriage and our relationship. And no matter what, we're not going... We're we're not going to... Just abandon everything and go back. We're not going to abandon this. Right. Step. We're not leaving this destination. Right. We are committed to this outcome. Right. We are committed to staying married. Right. You know, and there is no other acceptable outcome. So we are going to burn the ship that might get us out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And not let that be a thing. And you um, have some personal connection there. Yeah. Well, um, like people have asked, like, what kept you going? What kept you, you know, grounded and helped you stay and and I think that was it like my plan a was we were going to stay married it was going to work we were going to be happy we were going to start thriving and and it took took a long time well and one of the reasons we had a problem is I entertained a plan other than plan a right you know and I think Mavis is trying to tell us that she needs to go potty do you want to cut all right, so Jordan Peterson had a quote about that I think applies here. He was really speaking about religions, but he says, if you view somebody with love, it's incumbent upon you to treat them as if they are valuable. The more love you have for them, the higher the moral obligation there is to protect them and to treat them as though they are valuable. And I, I think that really applies to marriage, right? Like it should apply to marriage. It should apply to your relationship. Maybe ask yourself, does that quote apply to your relationship? And if not, why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and what, can, what steps can you take to get there so that you can step into that role where you are fulfilling that? Right. How can you see your spouse as something valuable to you so much so that you just have a moral obligation to protect it? Right? Do you do you feel that way about your spouse? Um, it's not as easy as it might sound, and and it is just organic and easy in some situations as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, and again, I think one of the reasons why marriage gets hard, right, is you go through the the doldrums of familiarity is part of it, right? The new wears off, right, and you start seeing like it's not new and exciting anymore. So then it starts to become a little bit more work. You have to put more effort into having the same experiences. And having the same fulfillment uh, requires more effort. And if you're not recognizing that, or if you're not willing to do that, your relationship's going to suffer. It's going to be very difficult. Because there's certainly going to be days where you don't feel like putting in that effort. And it, and it gets hard, and you're like, I don't know, you can just become complacent with just being okay. And, and that's not a good place to, to be. Right. I really like what you were talking about as, as you wanted to mention applying the burn the ship concept to your marriage. If you're in a marriage where there's hope, you know, some marriages, some marriages are toxic and some marriages are abusive and there's no hope. 
And we are not necessarily advocating that you stay stuck in a bad relationship because if you have children and you're stuck in a toxic home environment or an abusive home environment, you have a moral obligation to protect your children and get them the hell out of there. Right. And, and, and you're and, teaching them what a relationship should be. And if you're in a toxic one, they're going to grow up and they're going to have toxic relationships because they're going to you, you're modeling that toxicity. Right. So that's going to feel familiar to them as this is what marriage and family is. It's toxic. Right. And so if there's a way to get help and get through that, um, I, I am very reluctant to throw around the D word because and you should be, too. Um, it's not something you should casually throw around in an argument. It should not be used as a threat. It should not be used as motivation. Um, in fact, you should try to never bring the D word up in your marriage unless, unless there's a reason. There, you know, there could be multiple reasons where it's absolutely necessary, right? But like when I went to my first counselor and she was like, Lonnie, what do you want to do here? And I was like, well, I came to you so you can help me save my marriage. She's like, well, what if you decide you don't want to be married anymore? I was like, are you supposed to talk me out of that? <laughs> That's not why, not why I'm here. <laughs> so you can, you know, retrain my brain. So I want, you know, I want all the right things. And she says, well, I just want you to know that I am your counselor. And so if you decide that you want out of this relationship, it is my duty to check you on every single step to make sure that is the right thing to do for you. Right. And if, and if we decide that that is what's mentally healthiest in your situation, that's where you're going to be the happiest and be able to be the best father for your children. Then we'll figure out how to navigate that. Right. But I, I loved that she was like, but I am going to check you every step of the way. You know, I'm you know, basically going to make sure and question the heck out of you and make sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, it is, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that's the right move. Cause a lot of the time marriages can be saved. Um, but the partner's, have impotent dreams about each other. Uh, I can't remember who made the quote. It says, men aren't lazy. They just have impotent dreams. Maybe you want to look up and fact check who, who said that. But but um, it, I think men, men are not lazy. They simply have impotent dreams. They don't have dreams that inspire them anymore to do anything great. And I think a lot of times after you've been married for a number of years, Man, after you've been married for about seven, I think, you know, scientifically we can prove you have changes in your hormone levels of attractiveness and, you know, your oxytocin levels plummet. And that's when the seven-year itch comes in, you know, and that's when you know, a lot of people hit a wall and it becomes a lot more work. And you have to find a way to have ins inspiration for what, what we love and, love and enjoy. People are not lazy. They sum up impotent goals. That is that they have goals that do not inspire them. That was Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. We saw him live one day, and I totally butchered that. Tony, I'm sorry if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. All right, we fixed it. <laughs> sure you <laughs> sure are. he's listening. Sure Tony's going to listen to this. Hey, but I wanted to go back to what you just said. Um, I think there's a reason that Christ taught us to serve and to serve with love. Because if you look for ways to serve your spouse, like truly, not just to go through the motions, but to serve with love, serve because you love, that is healing for you. Not only does it like heal your spouse and make them feel good, but that's healing for you internally. And, and it takes the focus off of me, 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 what are my needs? What are my wants? What are my desires? And, and shifts it. And, and that service does a lot to to lift people up just to 
boost their mood and their emotions and everything. So I, that's really, that helps you get out of that egotistical space where you're stuck. For sure. That was a great point. That's a phenomenal point. And I've heard that service is the greatest way to develop love for somebody. Yeah. Is if you want to develop love or admiration or friendship, um, the, in a, in a true sense, a true, a true genuine feeling, uh, the fastest way to do that is by serving that person. And as you do that, you will develop a love for them. And, and you might who not better? want to all the time. Yeah, you're not, well, uh, not going to want to all the time. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Let me say that. There's, there's times when it's hard and you don't, and you don't want to. You know, I just want to throw this joke in here. It's been eating me. I think this is the right segue to do it. My uh, grandpa would walk around wedding receptions and he'd go up to the new couple and he would congratulate them and compliment them. And he'd say, you know, the first six months, she's so sweet. You think you could eat her. The rest of your life, you'll wish you had. <laughs> Good thing you can't relate to that, huh? Yes, of course. <laughs> it took me at least seven years. No, <laughs> um, you know, I, as I say, to get to that state, it really just got to the point where I just, I, my ego was, was getting bruised because you were wanting things in the marriage that I didn't necessarily want. And so I was like, well, why would she even entertain that? You know, not, not to be like, Maybe there's a lot of validity. I mean, I did give it the opportunity to think of maybe there's validity there, right? But that for me, that was where that started to get bad. And um, and I didn't, I wasn't intentionally doing that. I wasn't recognizing that as such. Right. Well, and and but I did do it. Part, and a lot of that came from the foundation of of your childhood. So that some of those things, you know, definitely came into play of why you felt the way you did and, well, and yours, that perspective of well, and things you brought into the relationship from the same respects as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, for um, sure. some of that had to do um, with the way you felt about yourself mm -hmm. and the confidence that you could not have. And in times when I wanted you to have confidence when like being intimate, right. And having confidence in that and like making love with the lights on, like, you know, you know, um, the one of those were difficult things to do because um, I think the mental image you had of yourself was not necessarily the mental image I had of you. And so we weren't together there. But again, um, trying to focus on finding the gratitude for that person. We wondered if we could ask you to do something for us. We'd love to get your feedback on what you do to keep your marriage healthy and what you do to continue to stoke the fires of love in your relationship. And one of the things that we thought we would try to do with you was read a book. A lot of people have asked us, they're like, hey, have you read The Five Love Languages? I've probably been asked that, I don't know how many, hundreds of times. A lot of times. Yeah. And I have not read <laughs> The Five Love Languages. But I do finally own the book. <laughs> and I was glad to see it's my kind of book. It's not that thick. <laughs> not that dense of the words on the page. <laughs> He's like, oh, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Yep. <laughs> My kind of book. Double yeah. Harry Potter <laughs> books, they give me anxiety. Look at the page, man. It's like, that's very intense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a lot of words. So what we thought we would do, we would read the book and then, and then what? 
and then just like go through it, like give give you our thoughts on it. And we would love to have interaction. Um, we are not going to actually read the book on the podcast. We are going to yeah, read the no. book in between shooting, but then come to the podcast and tell you how what we learned in chapter one resonated with us and how we fit the mold or didn't fit the mold or how it worked or didn't work. For and us I think it's so good like to, to learn from each other because I know there's, there's couples that, you know, have techniques that, that have worked for them that will resonate with other people as well. And so, um, having that engagement, I think it's really powerful and good. So we would invite you to buy the five love languages. We get no kicks back, kickbacks from this, unfortunately, by the way, Gary Chapman. I don't know. Uh, we're open to it if you'd like to discuss. But um, go out and get five love languages and however you're going to consume it. Audiobook, you know, Kindle. I like I like tangible books. I like to be able to touch paper and highlight and write and take notes. Just my brain engages better that way and I remember things better that way. But we are going to start reading this book and then we are going to start covering probably every other episode. We're going to start covering um the five love languages until we finish it and we'll love to do that with you and we'd love to hear your feedback on that and how that has changed or improved your marriage or maybe how it wrecked it i don't know <laughs> let's, I mean, let's be real it doesn't always work right but again i, I don't know, i love meredith i love that you brought up that point of man that's what kept you hanging on because people have asked what how did you do it right how did you get through that I've even marveled myself, to be honest, and, and grateful. Um, but you had no plan B. You were committed to the outcome. You burnt that ship when we got married. There was no way you were leaving because you had no way out, and you didn't want to. You didn't want to entertain a way out. It almost got to the point where you needed to, though, and it I am did. sorry for that. Yeah, it did. It, it did become toxic. Yeah, toxic. I was... I became, I was in a really bad place and I was toxic. I was, and I'm grateful that you loved me through that. And uh, that was really hard for you. It was, it was hard. It was, honestly, it was, and I could see how hard it was for you too. It was, uh, there was a lot of anguish there. And um, anyway, just not in a good, good place at all anywhere you know but all right love no plan b no plan b <laughs> you know it's funny <laughs> as we're talking i mean that can be used as a contraceptive term too right so when we're talking about marriage i don't know <laughs> my brain just went there but <laughs> back to teaching the world to love again um we want to we we have received a lot of feedback that our People who we know, people we don't know, strangers, people that are close to us are now able to have conversations. And sometimes they want to bring up a topic and they're like, hmm, I don't really want to hit my husband with this one. But I can say, hey, listen to Lonnie on the podcast. <laughs> listen how dumb he was. Try can to, you relate? Well, I'm trying to remember too. <laughs> not, <laughs> not in a negative way. I was just trying to make a joke because I was nervous. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like and, and like those difficult conversations – just remember, like, be committed to the outcome of those difficult conversations because it is hard. It is hard. And, and I can tell you, I am a person that's afraid of conflict. I hate conflict. I, like, that's one of my 
weaknesses that I need to, to step over because what's the outcome that I want? Ultimately, I want us to be better. I want us to be more connected and stronger. And sometimes you have to have hard conversations to get there. And I tend to be one that just will kind of shove that in the back of my brain and pass over it. And um, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Be committed to the outcome. And remember, that's why you're having those hard conversations. Well, and typically the conversation that you don't want to have is the conversation you need to have the most. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important, though, if it's an emotionally charged conversation and you can't have it without fighting, go have it with a third party. Seek out a counselor. You know, seek out, seek out somebody that can help you with that. An advocate for, for your marriage that can help you keep the peace. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like, even when we were in counseling, when we brought up some hard stuff, it was hard and it was tough and we were kind of like, fighting yeah, yeah but the counselor is able to help us kind of weed through okay no Lonnie that's the BS story you tell yourself in the head and wait no Meredith maybe maybe you want to consider this and then it was able to help as a third party kind of um not referee but make sure yeah, that we, at the end of the day we were having this conversation to bring us together and not rip us apart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and choose your timing well don't have hard conversations at the end of the day when you're exhausted and you're you know mentally spent already that wait so work. never let the sun set on your wrath you heard of that uh, yeah remember, have, you know the whole like that was like common when right you know, we got married like oh never go to bed mad at each other for sure sometimes you're not going to be in a good enough emotional state until you get a little rest and to and like i don't know you're not going to be able to fix something like sometimes we get so stuck on like i need this person to understand exactly how i feel and we need to have resolution right now and we're not going to rest until we do it I love you. You do that. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. Yes. Yes. You pointed that out, but I did, I did make a rule for you that you could not bring up certain topics on the nights that I had work early the next morning. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Cause, that's true. Cause we're up till 4am and I got to be at the office at six. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that doesn't work. That's that hard. That's hard. Not good. Uh, that doesn't really help contribute the outcome you're looking for. Right. Anyways. All right, guys, we are grateful for your support. All that you do to listen and engage and really apply the things that we talk about in ways that helps benefit you. And we love hearing about it and we love having you share it with others. And, um, we, we started this to create value for everybody and we wanted to help as many people as we could to help avoid some of the pitfalls and struggles that we have, have really fallen into in in our 23 years of being married together. So we appreciate you listening. Tune in again. Don't forget to click. Don't forget to share and like.